How good it is to be together in the house of the Lord. Would you close your eyes and if you feel led, raise your hands. Let's just continue to praise our God. It says in his word that he inhabits the praises of his people. So Father, we praise your name. We declare together, you are good. You are good. And we praise the fact that your love never fails, that your love and your mercies are new every morning, and that, God, your grace is available to us today. And so, Lord, in the midst of the battles and the storms and the struggles and the conflicts of the hearts of each person here, Lord, we choose to praise. We choose to look to you, for you are our help. Where else can we go but to you, O Lord? You are our fortress and our strong tower. You are our help in every time of need. And so, Lord, we come to you. We come to lift our hearts, to lift our eyes, to lift our voices, to lift everything that we have up to you, God. And we declare together that you are life, that you are truth, that you are beauty, you are goodness, and you are glory. And Lord, we need you more than anything else. And so, Lord, we come here together as your people. Speak to us, minister to us, encourage us, lift us, Lord, so that, Lord, we can reflect your light and your beauty to this world. In Jesus' name, amen. God is good. Thank you for being here. We need each other. I need you. We need encouragement. We need strength. And there's something wonderful about the God's people gathered together. So the question we're going to be grappling with today is what is of ultimate worth? It's a heavy question. (laughs) It's a big question. I uh, had my brothers, I have three brothers, and my brother-in-law and my dad were here this past week, and we decided to go out into the wilderness and sleep under the stars. And it uh, sounds like a good idea, right? <laughs> what we did not factor in, it's, it sounds better than it actually is, because we did not factor in the mosquitoes, <laughs> which uh, I think I was sold that there weren't mosquitoes in South Dakota, but <laughs> although people were saying I brought them since I came from Minnesota, so, but As I was laying there trying to sleep under the stars, uh, mosquitoes were buzzing in my ears and it's very hard to sleep when mosquitoes are are buzzing in your ears. And so it was a sleepless night, but at one point I I woke up and I looked up and there was flashes of light and it was lightning bugs. And I don't know the last time I saw a lightning bug, but it was magical, it was beautiful. And in the midst of sleepless mosquito, my heart was caught up in wonder and awe. (laughs) And it brought me back to my childhood of of playing with lightning bugs. And it was beautiful as these flashes of light floated through the air. And this morning, as we grapple with a heavy topic of treasure and what is of ultimate worth, my prayer for us this morning is that the glimpses of the light of God would pierce into our lives because there's so much distraction when we talk about treasure, when we talk about money, when we talk about things of ultimate worth. There's so many buzzing little annoying things that are distracting us, keeping us from the blessing of God. And so my prayer this morning is that we will see that light that Jesus has for us. As we go through the Sermon on the Mount, I just want to do a quick recap because we've been here for a while. Uh, Chapter 5, we have to remember that the whole sermon is one sermon and everything is connected to what Jesus is wanting to communicate to us. And his first part of the sermon is all about blessing. 
Isn't that good that Jesus came to bring blessing? And the question that he's addressing is, what is the definition and source of blessing? We all want to be successful. We want to be fulfilled as people. And so Jesus wants to address that question of what really brings fulfillment? What really brings satisfaction to our lives? And so Jesus declared that his kingdom, that he himself would bring about blessing, that the source of blessing is he himself. And we said that it is the presence of Jesus and the power of Jesus in our lives that ultimately brings fulfillment and satisfaction to our lives. He changes our values. He helps us see that no matter what our circumstances, whether we're poor or mourning or hungry and thirsting, we can still be blessed because he is with us. And so he tells us in chapter five in the beginning that our greatest purpose, what we were created for is to be salt and light, to bring goodness, to bring love towards other people and to ultimately bring glory to our Father in heaven. And so to sum that up, I would say Jesus is talking about our relationship, our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. That's of supreme importance. In chapter five, later, starting in verse 17, Jesus begins to address the human problems of the heart that destroy relationships, that destroys our relationship with God and destroys our relationship with other people. And so this is the human dilemma of sin. And Jesus talks about it and and he doesn't let any of us get away. (laughs) All of us uh, have to grapple with the reality of sin in our lives. And so Jesus says, it's not just your outward condition, it's also your inward condition. So he talks about anger and lust and adultery and breaking of our promises and lack of forgiveness towards those who harm us and lack of love for others. And so these are all problems that we have that Jesus addresses and we have to grapple with that reality. But then Jesus begins to talk about the solution, which is a heart that's transformed by Jesus and that's empowered to love unconditionally. And so we receive the unconditional love of our Father and we begin to share that unconditional love with others. Do you see how that's related to our relationships? And then in chapter 6, Jesus begins to talk about the practices of transformation. And remember, he's not saying work harder. He's not saying this is a workspace thing. This is the grace of God, the power of God that's now available to us in Jesus that enables transformation to happen. And I believe uh, what Bill said last week was really important that there's four, not just three, that Jesus talks about. These are tools that God uses in our lives to foster love and transformation in our hearts. And he talks about giving and prayer and forgiving and fasting. So that's where we've been. This morning is really a continuation of that theme of worship and the practices that bring about our transformation. And so would you stand with me in honor of God's word as we read uh, chapter 6, verse 19 through 24. And you can follow along on your cell phone or Bible. that will also have it on the screen. But this is what Jesus says to us this morning. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will also be the eye is the lamp of the body if your eyes are healthy your whole body will be full of light but if your eyes are unhealthy your whole body will be full of darkness if then the light within you is darkness how great is that darkness 
No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You may be seated. Praise God for his word. So money and possessions are a topic that uh, we tend to downplay. But Jesus doesn't let us get away with that. He raises it up and says, this is important. There's even a power to money that is a spiritual reality because Jesus talks about in that last verse about you cannot serve God or, and he uses a word mammon that is a, ref, that is a name of a deity. And so he's saying it's not just the, the physical money. It, there's, a, there's a spiritual power at work in this that affects the human heart. Because what Jesus really cares about is our hearts, who we are. And that's what he's addressing here. And so we tend to downplay it. We like quoting the verses where we say there's not really anything wrong with money or possessions. And that's true. It's the love of money that's the root of evil. And that is true. But we tend to do that to downplay it. But Jesus spoke of it in very stark, important terms to help us understand what is the true source of of blessing and the danger that money can pose to our hearts. Jesus told a, a parable about a rich man. He called him the rich fool. And this is what Jesus said to his disciples. He said, watch out. Watch out. This is important. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. And here, I love this phrase. Jesus says, life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Now, I, I love that phrase and I love what Jesus is saying because it's pretty depressing if we think our value our worth comes about by what we have um, the world chases after these things but Jesus says your life is worth so much more than what you have or don't have but then he says there was a man who was wealthy and he had land and he had a bumper crop and so he thought well if I tear down my barns and I build bigger barns, then I don't have to work anymore. I can just lay back, take it easy, enjoy life, and all my worries will be done. But Jesus said that man was a fool because he said his life was demanded of him that night. And this is what Jesus says. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. And so the issue of money is important. Jesus, in fact, talks more about money than almost any other topic because he knows the power it has over the human hearts. And so Jesus, in verse 19, talks about storing. He says, in a sense, where are you storing your treasure? And he gives us two options. He says, do not, and he's warning us, watch out, be careful, do not store up your treasure on earth. He says, where moth and rust and thieves can destroy. I remember back in 2008, um, the reality in our country of many of my friends and people I knew who lost much of their wealth overnight. Everything changed. And we were told over and over that housing and money markets were safe. These were good investments. These were secure things. But in 2008, we realized, whoa, <laughs> they're not as secure as we thought, right? It disappeared. It was gone. And so Jesus is kind of giving us a reality check because our perceptions, our, our, our lives can be confused by the messages of this world and we can find 
trust or security in those things. And Jesus, because he loves us and he cares about us, wants us to know that these things are not secure. These things do not last. These things can be taken from us. And so we have to heed the words of Jesus as we think about the issue of money. Because I think what Jesus is really talking about is worship. And worship has to do with our hearts and it has to do with what we love and ultimately what we treasure. And if we love and we put our heart into something that doesn't last, we're in big trouble. (laughs) We're in big trouble and God doesn't want us to be in that place. He came to save us. He came to bless us. He came to help us, not to destroy us. And so he warns us that possessions can demand our worship. Um, I've seen this in my own life and I come to you today not as someone who's arrived or does this perfectly because there's deep conviction in my own life over the past few weeks as I've read through this and as I've thought about this and reflected on my own heart. And so together, I believe God is calling us to think about how we live and how we think and how we interact with money and possessions in our lives. The more we have, the more time and energy and focus it takes from us. Is that not true? (laughs) I found it in my own life. I was reflecting the other day as I was driving, how many storage units do you see built (laughs) all over the place, right? Because people are storing up and they're spending energy and time on these possessions. And so Jesus has given us a reality check here. The alternative to treasuring things here on earth is to treasure things in heaven. So what does Jesus mean? That can be a kind of a nebulous idea to put treasures in heaven. Like I can see and feel and, 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 and experience physical things, but what, what is Jesus talking about? Well, I think if we look at the context and we look at what the Bible talks about, I think it's very clear what he's referring to. If you look in just this chapter six, Jesus repeats a word over and over. In fact, 11 times, the most frequent word in this chapter is the word father is the word Father. I think Jesus is trying to get our attention. He's pointing us to something and someone. He's pointing us to God as our Father. And I think in this context and understanding what Jesus is inviting us to, he's inviting us to see God, our Father, as the ultimate treasure. (laughs) Because he is eternal. And so when he talks about eternal treasures that do not get destroyed, where moth and vermin's do not uh, cause harm or it does not get lost, I think he's referring to God himself. God is eternal. God is referred to in the Bible as being the eternal one, the infinite one, the Alpha and the Omega. He is the creator, the sustainer of all things. He is the Lord over all things. And what Jesus, I think, is inviting us is to see God as our Father and in relationship with him, we realize that what matters most is God himself, that we were created to be with him, to know him, to live in him. And when we realize this, we realize that he is the greatest treasure. (laughs) And it changes our perspective. It changes how we live. It changes how we see ourselves. I think this is what Jesus is inviting us, is to see God as our ultimate treasure. But I think he's also talking about a second treasure here. In the context Jesus is referring not only to our love for God, but also our love for others. I remember as a, as a young man, my 
dad uh, was a missionary, and so we moved a lot. We moved 22 times uh, before I graduated from high school. And I got really discouraged by that. I got really discouraged that we would show up in a new place and I would start to make friends and then we would go somewhere else. And, and that was really hard for me. And, uh, and I kind of got to a point in my life where I kind of just threw up my hands and said it wasn't worth making friends. And then I remember, I don't remember what age I was exactly, but I was reading in the Gospel of Luke and some words jumped out of the page and grabbed my heart. And this is what Jesus says. He said, I tell you, Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. <laughs> and a light went on in my head and <laughs> my heart. And I said, what Jesus is saying is that people are eternal. <laughs> they last forever. And so there's no relationship with someone else that's wasted. Every person is worth investing in because they're eternal <laughs> they last forever and that I think is what Jesus is talking about here he's he's comparing the temporary nature of possessions and money with the eternal reality of God and the eternal reality of other people and so the relationships we have in this life last forever <laughs> and so they're worth investing in they're worth loving people and so this is, I think, the invitation of Jesus to see the contrast between two places to invest and store our treasures. So what is Jesus talking about in verse 21? Because this is the, the key verse for this section. I think this is the heart of the matter, and no, no pun intended, right? <laughs> for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. I often had that reversed. And I was often frustrated by that because I wanted my heart so bad to be for these eternal things like God and people. But I think what Jesus is saying, he's making it simple for us, is that this isn't something we make happen our own. But as we begin to spend our treasure on the things that are eternal, our hearts will follow. <laughs> Do you see the difference there? He, he twists or he changes the order. He helps us to see that as we begin to see the infinite worth of God and other people, we begin to spend our resources, our time, our energy, our money on those things. And our heart follows that. And so we begin to see what is of ultimate worth. We see God's worth in our lives and this ignites worship in our lives. And it ignites love in our lives. I told you a few weeks ago about Jill and my wife and how I began to pursue her. And it wasn't hard for me to spend money on her. <laughs> it wasn't hard for me to spend time with her. It wasn't hard for me to spend my energy. In fact, it's what I wanted to do. My heart burned with love for her. And so those things followed. And this is what I think God is wanting to do in our lives. As our lives are ignited with love and worship of God, we begin to spend our money. We begin to spend our time as we do the things that Jesus invites us to pray, to fast, to forgive. Our hearts follow that. And we begin to see transformation in our lives. You see, worship is really the, the recognition of, of ultimate worth. We, we, we praise and we adore what we see as the greatest value. I love what, what John Piper said. He says, count God as your riches. Count God as your riches. When we, when we see that, 
like the fireflies in the night as we catch glimpses of God's glory, of his worth, of who he is, it begins to change our hearts and we begin to do the things that Jesus calls us to do to bring about transformation. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness is, is the, the big calling that Jesus has for us in the Sermon on the Mount. This is what John Piper says. He says, be passionate about experiencing the saving, purifying, empowering, love-producing reign of God in your life. And so we begin to see the kingdom of God becoming a reality where the values and the love and the power of God become a reality in our lives, where we can say, thy kingdom come in my life and over all the nations. And so we begin to see the treasure of God. We begin to see the treasure of other people. Now, Jesus uses an illustration here, and he uses eyes. And uh, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. But I, I don't think he's really talking about our physical eyes. I think he's really talking about our hearts. He's talking about our hearts here. And I wear contacts, I wear glasses, and it's very hard if I get up in the middle of the night and I don't have my glasses on, I stumble and I fall and I run into things and everything is fuzzy and confusing. (laughs) My life would be fuzzy and confusing without being able to see. And so that is what Jesus is talking about. In this world, we have all the buzzing mosquitoes whispering, This will satisfy you. If you only had this, if you only had this much amount of money, if only you could do this. All those voices. But then we put on the glasses of the kingdom of what God is talking about and what happens? Light, clarity, the confusion is gone. We understand what matters most. Our priorities change. Everything is clear and we can enjoy the blessings that God has for us. So here's the question. How are we seeing the world and how is that affecting your heart? Where are your priorities? Where is your focus? As we begin to ask those questions, we begin to see the power of what Jesus is talking about. And I just, I want to remind us that Jesus is not looking to make your life miserable. He doesn't want to make you poor. In fact, Jesus said, I came to set the captives free. I came to give life to those who are caught in poverty. And so his goal is not to suppress us, it's to raise us up to a place where we are able to really live, to truly experience what God has for us, what matters most in our lives. Because we will be mastered by something. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one or love the other. And so every person is mastered by something. This is not my quote but I really think this helps. But someone said, if you use God and others to serve money, or you could use money to serve God and others. You see the contrast? There's two options. Either your life can be devoted to money, and so you use God and use others for that end, or you see money as the tool and the gift that God gives in order to serve others and to serve God. You see, there's a huge contrast. And that is what Jesus is kind of laying on the table. (laughs) He's helping us to see the difference and to understand the invitation for our hearts. So here's four ways, very practically, for us to gauge our own hearts. Because this message is not for us to look at someone else. (laughs) Jesus, in fact, later in the sermon says, do not judge others, do not condemn others. So this is not for finger pointing, this is for reflection of your own heart. 
And only you know your heart. Only you and God know it. No one else can see what you and God see. And so this is for us individually to look at our own hearts, our own lives. And what, what could happen in our world if every person lived the way Jesus was calling us to live? <laughs> there would be the end of oppression and poverty because so much of this world is driven by greed and hurting other people. And so if we see what God wants to do in our lives and we begin to live this out, it brings about transformation, not only for us, but everyone around us. So here are four things to think about. How are you making decisions in your life? And is money a primary factor in those decisions? Uh, just a few examples of things I've seen as a pastor. When young people talk about a career, I've been saddened sometimes to see sometimes they they have a special gift or passion or calling God has given them, but they ignore that because they want something that makes more money. And that we have to be careful with that. We have to see and understand what God is calling us to do and, and, and respond to him in that way, not making money the primary factor. Uh, having children, right? We hear this a lot with the anxiety or worry, will we have enough to supply for our kids? And, and so we have to understand, is money the primary factor? Are we able to give it away? That's something God has challenged me with over the years is I've, my heart's been treasuring something too much and the Spirit of God says, Ben, you need to let that go. <laughs> it's coming between me and, and you. And so there's times where, where we're challenged to give something away that's taking hold of our hearts. Is money the primary cause of stress and anxiety in your life? If it is, then, then you need to take notice of that. And then I think the last one, do you have consumer debt? Are you borrowing money for things that you can't afford, for possessions? Have you become a slave to that system? So these are things to think through, to examine your own heart. So the next question is, so what if I do that, Ben, and I realize that, that there's a pull on my heart towards those things, that, that I am serving money in some way in my life. So what do we do? I love what Jesus says in Luke chapter 12 to his disciples. He says, do not be afraid, little flock. <laughs> you see, he knows that there's a, there's a fear in this topic, right? Because we, we want to store up. Will we have enough? And so the first thing we need to realize is that God loves us and he's a good shepherd. <laughs> he cares about your needs. In fact, next week we're going to look at the words of Jesus where he says, do not worry because I know your needs. I know what you need and I want to provide for you. I want to supply for you. God is our shepherd. He is a good shepherd. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. He's, he's the king. He has everything that you need and he's willing and wanting to provide for you. He wants to give to you. So this is what he says. He says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not fail. And so what do we do? We need to give things away. <laughs> we need to do what Jesus calls us to do to free ourselves from the love of money. Here's what I think Jesus is calling us to do. He says, receive the true blessing from him. Receive his kingdom and receive the satisfaction that only he can give to your heart and to your life. And then he says earlier in chapter six, give, give your possessions away, give to others. Pray, put your trust in God. Don't put your trust in your money, your bank account. Don't put your trust in what you have. Those things don't last. He says, forgive, love others. Do not hold on to those who've hurt you. 
He says, fast, train your hearts and your focus on what really matters. And so if we do these things, not based on what people think of us or to be noticed by people, but we do these things in worship and love for God out of the passion that he ignites in us, we will begin to be freed from the power of money in our lives and we will be free to be a blessing to others. I'm gonna invite Tom up to lead us in a song here. And this is a heavy topic. <laughs> I feel this in this room, but here's what I want you to hold on to. It's like the firefly, that beauty, that light, that it would shine into your heart and that you would see that God's intentions are good for you. <laughs> he wants to bless you more than anything. And this is what I wanna close with as a benediction, Hebrews 13, where it says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. And here's what God says, hold on to this. Never, never, never will I leave you. God is with you. He's your shepherd. Never will I forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Amen.